0: listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you'd like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. Now let us give thanks to God for the life of Venerable Maria. All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agreda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet, heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria of Agreda, may we become holy, and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 110. We are reading from chapter 13 of volume 2, and we'll be reading from paragraphs 169 to 179. 169. St. Elizabeth perceived something of this clearness when at the sight of Mary she exclaimed, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Luke one forty three, The world was not capable of perceiving the sacrament of the king, nor was it opportune to manifest it at that time. Yet, to a certain extent, her face was always more bright and lustrous than that of other creatures. Also, in other respects, it exhibited qualities altogether above the natural order of other bodies, which produced in her a most delicate and spiritualized complexion, like that of an animated crystal. This presented to the touch not the asperity natural to the flesh, but the softness as it were of the purest and the finest silk, so that I cannot find any other comparison to make myself understood. Yet all this should not appear strange in the mother of God, for she bore him in her womb, and she had seen him often even face to face. For the Israelites could not look upon Moses face to face, nor bear the splendour which shone forth from him after his communication with the Lord upon the mountain, Exodus thirty-four twenty-nine. Though it was much inferior to that vouchsafed to most holy Mary, there is no doubt that if God had not by a special providence withheld and hidden the splendour and reality due to the countenance and the body of His most pure Mother, it would have brightened the world more than a thousand suns combined none of the mortals could, by natural power, have sustained its brilliancy, since, even thus restrained and concealed, it was sufficient to cause in them the same effects which St. Dionysius the Areopagite experienced in looking upon her, and which he describes in his letter to Paul. 170. Impassibility produces in the glorified body such a condition that no agent, except God himself, can by any activity or influence change or disturb it, no matter how powerful this activity may be. Our queen participated in this gift in two ways. First, in regard to the temperament and humors of the body. She possessed those in such a delicate measure and proportion that she could not contract or suffer any infirmities, nor was she subject to any other human hardships, which arise from the inequality of the four humors, being in this regard as it were almost impassable. Secondly, in regard to the dominion and commanding power which she had over all the creatures as mentioned above, for none of them had power to act contrary to her will and consent. We can add still another participation of impassibility, the assistance of the divine power in proportion to her innocence. For if it is said that the first parents in paradise could not suffer a violent death as long as they persevered in original justice, it must not be understood to mean that they enjoyed this privilege by intrinsic or inherent powers. For if a lance would have wounded them, they could have died. But they enjoyed it through the assistance of the Lord, who would always prevent them from being wounded. If then the first parents possessed this privilege and could transmit it to their descendants as their servants and vassals, it was due, by a much better title, to the innocence of the sovereign Mary. And so in truth was she endowed with it. 171. Our most humble queen made no use of these privileges, for she renounced them in imitation of her most holy son, and in order to labor and gain merits for our benefit. In spite of them, she wished to suffer, and she really suffered more than the martyrs. Human intellect cannot weigh correctly the greatness of these labors. We shall speak of them throughout this heavenly history, leaving much more untold, for common language and words cannot encompass them. But I must advert to two things. First, that the sufferings of our queen bore no relation to any sins of her own, for she had none to atone for, and therefore she suffered none of the bitterness which is mixed with pains endured in the memory and consciousness of our own guilt of sins committed. Secondly, that in her sufferings she was divinely sustained in accordance with the ardours of her love, for she could not naturally endure so much sufferings as her love called for, or as much as, on account of this very love, The Lord allowed her to endure. 172. Subtility is a gift which takes away from the glorified body the density of grossness, natural to quantitative matters, and which enables it to penetrate other bodies and to occupy the same place with them. The subtilized bodies of the blessed, therefore, are endowed with qualities peculiar to their spirit, and can, without difficulty, penetrate the quantitative matter of other bodies. Without dividing or separating them, it can occupy the same place. Thus, our Lord's body, coming forth from the grave, Matthew 28.2, and entering the closed doors, John 20.19, penetrated the material enclosing those places. Most Holy Mary participated in this gift, not only while she enjoyed the beatific visions, but also otherwise according to her will and desire, as happened many times in her life, in her bodily appearances to some persons, of which we shall yet relate. For in all these she made use of her gift of subtlety, penetrating other bodies. 173. The last gift of the body enables the glorified body to move from place to place instantly, and without the impediment of terrene gravity, in the manner of pure spirits which move by their own volition. Mary most wholly possessed a continual and wonderful participation in this agility, especially as a direct result of the divine visions. She did not feel in her body the force of weight and gravity. Therefore, she could walk without feeling the inconvenience usual to that kind of exercise. She could move about with instantaneous speed, without feeling any shock or fatigue, as we would feel. All this belonged naturally to the quality and condition of her body, so spiritualized and well-formed. During the time of her pregnancy, she felt even less the weight of her body. Although in order to bear her share of labors, she allowed hardships to produce their effect. She was so admirable and perfect in the possession and use of these privileges that I find myself wanting in words to express all that has been made manifest to me concerning them, for it exceeds all that I have said or am able to say. 174. Queen of heaven and my mistress, since thou hast condescended to adopt me as thy daughter, thy word will remain a pledge, that thou wilt be my guide and teacher. Relying on this promise, I presume to propose a difficulty in which I find myself, How does it come, my mother and lady, that thy most blessed soul, after it had enjoyed the clear intuition of God, according to the disposition of his majesty, did not remain in the state of blessedness? And why can we not say that thou didst remain in the state of beatitude, since there was no sin, nor any other obstacle to this state in thee, according to the dignity and sanctity revealed to me by the supernatural light?" Answer and explanation of our Queen and Lady. 175. My dearest daughter, thou doubtest as one that loves me and askest as one not knowing. Consider then that the perpetuity and durability of blessedness and felicity is destined for the saints, since their happiness is to be entirely perfect. If it would last only for some time, it would be wanting in the completeness and adequacy necessary for constituting it as the highest and most perfect happiness. At the same time, it is incompatible with the common law and ordinary course that the creature be glorified and at the same time be subject to sufferings, even though it be without sin. If this law did not hold good with my most holy son, John one eighteen, it was became he was at the same time God and man. And it was not befitting that his most holy soul, being hypostatically united with the divinity, should be without the beatific vision. And as he was at the same time redeemer of the human race, he could not suffer nor pay the debt of sin, that is pain, if he had not possessed a body capable of suffering. But I was a mere creature, and therefore I could have no claim to the vision which to him was due as God. Moreover, I could not be said to have permanently enjoyed the state of blessedness because it was not conceded to me from one time to another. Under these conditions, I was capable of suffering at one time and enjoying blessedness at another. Moreover, it was more usual for me to suffer and to gain merits than to be blessed, since I belonged to the viators and not to the comprehensors. 176. Justly, the Most High has ordained that the blessedness of eternal life not be enjoyed in this mortal existence exodus thirty three twenty and that immortality should be reached by passing through existence in a mortal body and by gaining merits in a state of suffering, such as is the present life of men romans six twenty three although death in all the sons of Adam was the stipend and punishment of sin romans six twenty three and therefore death and all the other effects and chastisements had no rights in me, who had not sinned. Yet the Most High ordained that I also, in imitation of my Most Holy Son, should enter into felicity and eternal life by the death of the body. Luke 24, 26. There was nothing incongruous in this for me, but it afforded me many advantages, allowing me to follow the royal way of all men and gain many merits and great glory by suffering and dying. Another advantage resulted therefrom for men, for they saw that my most holy Son, and I myself, who was his mother, were truly human, as they themselves, since we proved to them our mortality. Thereby the example which we left them became much more efficacious, and they would be induced to imitate the life which we led and which redounded so much to the greater glory and exaltation of my Son and the Lord of myself. All this would have come to naught, if the visions of the divinity had been continuous in me, however, after I conceived the eternal Word, the benefits and favors were further frequented and greater, since I was then brought into close connection with Him. This is my answer to thy questions. No matter how much thou hast meditated and labored in manifesting the privileges and the effects enjoyed by me in mortal life, thou wilt never be able to comprehend all that the powerful arm of the omnipotent wrought in me, and much less canst thou describe in human words what thou hast understood. One seventy-seven. Now attend to the instruction which I will give thee regarding to the preceding chapters. If I was the model to be imitated in the way I responded to the coming of God into the soul, into the world by showing due reverence, worship, humility, and thankful love, it follows that if thou, and in the same way the rest of the souls, art solicitous in imitating me, the Most High will come and produce the same effects in thee as in myself, though they may not be so great and efficacious. For if the creature, as soon as it obtains the use of reason, begins to advance toward the Lord as it should— Directing its footsteps in the path of life and salvation, His Most High Majesty will issue forth to meet it. Wisdom 6.15 Being beforehand with His favors and communications, for to Him it seems a long time to wait for the end of the pilgrimage, in order to manifest Himself to His friends. one seventy eight Thus it happens that by means of faith, hope, and charity, and by the worthy reception of the sacraments, many divine effects wrought by his condescension are communicated to the souls. Some are communicated according to the ordinary course of grace, and others according to a more supernatural and wonderful order. And each one will be more or less conformable to the disposition of the soul and to the ends intended by the Lord, which are not known at present. And if the souls do not place any obstacle on their part, He will be just as liberal with them as with those who dispose themselves, giving them greater light and knowledge of his immutable being, and by a divine and exceedingly sweet infusion of grace, transforming them into a likeness of himself and communicating to many of them the privileges of the beatified. For after he is found, he allows himself to be taken possession of and enjoyed by that hidden embrace which the spouse felt when she said, I will hold him and not dismiss him. Canticle three, four, Of this possession and of his presence, the Lord himself will give many tokens and pledges, in order that the soul may possess him in peace like the blessed, although always only for a limited time. So liberal as this will God our Master and Lord be, in rewarding the objects of his love, for the labors accepted by them, for his sake and fearlessly undertaken, to gain possession of him. One seventy nine, In the sweet violence of love, the creature begins to withdraw from and die to all earthly things, and that is why love is called strong as death. From this death arises a new spiritual life, which makes the soul capable of receiving new participations of the blessed and their gifts, for it enjoys more frequently the overshadowing of the Most High and the fruits of the highest good, which it loves. These mysterious influences cause a sort of overflow into the interior and animal parts of the creature, producing a certain transparency, and purifying it from the effects of the spiritual darkness, It makes it courageous, and as it were indifferent to suffering, ready to meet and endure all that is adverse to the inclinations of the flesh. With a certain subtle thirst, it begins to seek after all the difficulty and violence incident to the attainment of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 11.12 It becomes alert and unhindered by earthly grossness, so that many times the body itself begins to feel the lightness in regard to its own self. The labors which before seemed burdensome become easy. Of all these effects thou hast knowledge and experience. My daughter and I have described and rehearsed them for thee in order that thou mayest dispose thyself and labor so much the more earnestly so that the divine activity and the power of the Most High in working out his pleasure in thee may find thee well disposed and free from resistance and hindrance. This concludes our reading today for day number 110. We have been reading from chapter 13 of volume 2, paragraphs 169 to 179. This is one of those readings where I made a lot of check marks in the margins of things that I thought that I would like to maybe make a brief comment about. If you remember, yesterday's reading ended in this way. Sometimes they were noticeable in her most beautiful face, as I will say later on. Yet they were not known or perceived by all who conversed with her. For the Lord interposed a curtain or veil in order that they might not always or indiscriminately be manifested. So it's talking about other people recognizing the gifts in the person of Mary, how God had gifted her and endowed her with these things. But our reading today begins, St. Elizabeth perceived something of this clearness when at the sight of Mary she exclaimed, And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So certain wisdom is granted to certain souls. And so Elizabeth was able to have that awareness herself. We're also reminded today in our reading that Mary was sinless, and so she had no sins to atone for on her part. Maria writes, She had none to atone for, and therefore she suffered none of the bitterness which is mixed with pains endured in the memory and consciousness of our own guilt of sins committed. And I think for all of us, we can look back over the course of our life, and we can maybe think of some of those sins that maybe were a little disappointed in ourselves. I can't believe that I committed that sin, that I gave into it, that maybe I even persisted in that state of sin for a very long time. So there's that reminder sometimes, there's that guilt on our conscience, even though we confess it, that guilt is lifted, but yet we always have that reminder of why we need the Savior. Mary has no need of that because she never has sin to atone for, she is not able to sin because of the Immaculate Conception, and so her memory and consciousness does not contain her own sinfulness, because there is no sin. We then heard, Most Holy Mary participate in this gift, not only while she enjoyed the beatific visions, but also otherwise according to her will and desire, as happened many times in her life, and her bodily appearances to some persons of which we shall yet relate. So, I'm very excited, you know, as a person that has written a lot about Marian apparitions and has studied them quite extensively. It seems that later on, I'm going to assume in volume four, as we're kind of at the assumption of Mary into heaven and what that means and entails, that we're going to hear Maria of talk about some Marian apparitions. Of course, there's the bi-location of Our Lady in Spain, in Saragossa, Spain, Our Lady of the Pillar, as it's called. We'll Maria of Agreda talk about that. Remember Maria's writing in the 1600s. So what other apparitions of Our Lady is she going to reference? This is going to be an exciting anticipation for me as I wait uh, that chapter wherever and whenever we encounter it in our text. And then isn't it interesting that Maria asks a question of Our Lady. And why can we not say that thou didst remain in the state of beatitude since there was no sin or any other obstacle to this state in thee, according to the dignity and sanctity revealed to me by the supernatural light? So Maria has this question after reflecting on the life of Mary and seeing it. Then now she asks Mary, this is the question I have. And then we hear the answer and the explanation of Our Lady. And then finally... In paragraph 177 today, I just want to remind us of what it says. If I was the model to be imitated in the way I responded to the coming of God into the soul, into the world, by showing due reverence, worship, humility, and thankful love, it follows that if thou, and in the same way the rest of the souls, art solicitous in imitating me, the most I will come and produce the same effects in thee as in myself." though they may not be so great and efficacious. If we imitate Mary, God is going to produce some of that in us as well. I know, as I've been reading now for 110 days, the mystical city of God, that God has done something in my soul that he wouldn't have done had I not been reading this book. And as I think of Mary, and maybe as I want to imitate Our Lady in different ways— well, now God is reproducing that in me, helping me to choose God and to follow Him and to love Him, to serve Him all the days of my life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.